There, do you have any idea what you're listening to? KKMS Live with Jeff and Lee. We're going to do something now that I know you like that we do every day. We're going to take a walk in our neighborhood. Buenos dias, neighboritos. So, welcome to KKMS Live, Dr. Dobson. It's nice to have you. <laughs> Jeff and Lee, it's a pleasure to be on your program. I just want to personally thank you, Jeff and Lee, for what you guys are doing here for the Twin Cities. Ooh, hooray! Hello, hello, hello. 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 I love you guys. You're such good interviewers. You really are. You're very interesting to listen to, and you have wonderful guests. It's like they're on fire! Enjoy your show, guys. Long-time listener. Now, Jeff and Lee, the coolest radio host anywhere. The following program is for entertainment purposes only. Here they come now. The show is KKMS Live. The station is AM 980 KKMS, and we deliver Christian talk across the air and over the internet at kkms.com and it's always a pleasure when you tune in and partake or go back and listen to the audio archives which are updated daily uh, just by the sheer chance that I don't know why you would have to tune away from the radio but I understand that occasionally maybe once every other year or so you might not be able to hear all three hours of our program you might also want to direct a friend or an acquaintance there you go toward one of those uh, interviews and that you can do it's always uh, there all the information at the website, kkms.com. Just go to the KKMS Live show page. That's Thank you. Right. Thank you. Hey, you know, you might not be aware of a significant political and ideological shift uh, of uh, Turkey. Turkey had been considered the most secular and modernized country of the Muslim world, yet uh, they've moved toward becoming Islamists. We uh, are also watching uh, Iran uh, being aided by Russia in their pursuit of uh, of uh, for nuclear power, and uh, they seem to be thumbing their noses at uh, those uh, who are against such things. Uh, what does the Bible, what does Bible prophecy have to say about this? About the role that these nations play uh, in the end times? Nathan, jo- Nathan Jones joins us to discuss this. He is an evangelist and web minister at Lamb and Lion Ministries. We have links to his site on the KKMS Live page at kkms.com. Nathan, welcome to KKMS Live. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, it's Good to be talking to folks from the hometown of Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> you remember Joel Hodgson? Yeah, he was oh, fun. Oh, yes. Joel Hodgson, uh, his dad went to the church I went to. And, really? And uh, I've talked with him in the past. Very, very funny prop comic uh, from this area. And uh, We used to have him on one of the radio stations I was on. He was kind of a regular guest on our morning show. Yeah, he's he was very funny, 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 funny guy. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm not as funny as he is, but... Uh, well, we'll find out. Not my area. We'll, we'll be the judge. Well, you're... <laughs> Some of the things that you're talking about aren't so funny, are they? No, no, that's for sure. Well, thanks for joining us. Well, Jeff, in the intro there, was talking about Turkey and their move uh, towards becoming more of an Islamic state. Why don't you give us a little overview of Turkey and what's really happened to develop this movement kind of away from being uh, more friendly towards the West to uh, towards this Islamic lean they're having now? Okay, well... I'll... Definitely, there's been a lot of different prophetic events in the news lately. I uh, clip and save different articles that come out, and November has been filled with events, and Turkey just plays uh, one part. Now, Turkey, being a Muslim country, has happened to be a secular Muslim country, if you can say there's such a thing. And they've been trying for years to get into the EU, and the EU just doesn't seem to want them. They don't want a big influx of of Muslims into the EU, and so the EU's kind of held Turkey at bay, and so Turkey's staying there wondering, well, gee, do I join the East or I join the West? And uh, they're looking to join the East. Uh, we've got a number of articles. Uh, one I've got right here clipping here says, Turkey and ally no more. 
because uh, Turkey's taken a radical turn in their international policies, abandoning almost overnight its two decades long relationship with Israel. On October 13th, Turkey canceled a joint military exercise with Israel and instead signed a treaty with Syria that includes plans to strengthen military ties and end visa requirements for those countries. And Syria is one of Israel's most hostile Arab neighbors. Yeah, so they've moved away from the, uh, and, and by the way, for those who don't know, and that's why an overview of Turkey might be of interest to some people, is that it was formed really not too long ago by, what's his name, Ataturk, uh, and uh, he wanted to kind of keep it secular as opposed to a, an Islamic uh, theocracy. Um, but uh, as you're saying there, the, the EU, the European uh, uh, Union, is saying, you know what, we've got, what are they, what's the deal? Are they just saying they're concerned about having too many Muslims uh, and it's going to... Um, what I mean, it's going to ruin uh, Europe, uh, the EU. I mean, what I guess I'm not quite. Why do they not allow Turkey to join? They're holding Turkey off because uh, the EU in general has seen a huge influx of Muslim immigrants. I mean, it's changing the very culture of most of the countries. There's, uh, I wouldn't say uh, race wars going on, but a lot of these countries like Denmark and Sweden and uh, Great Britain are seeing a, a total change in their culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Great Britain is even looking into having Sharia law, which is the 7th century Islamic real strict law imposed and st- running parallel with British law. So uh, the folks that are in charge, you know, the leadership of the EU is looking at Turkey and saying, well, you know, they are, we want to have them come in, but at the same time we're sacrificing the possibility of losing our identity and who we are. And so they keep putting off and putting in off and putting off Turkey from joining the EU. And I think we're just seeing in the last few months, especially as Turkey becomes less secular Islamic and more uh, fundamental Islamic in their government, is that they're looking east. They're looking to Syria, they're looking to Iran, and they're saying, hey, you guys are welcoming us and we'll join you. And uh, like you said a little earlier, that has significant prophetic events. Yeah, and I want to get into that in, in a second. Now, the my understanding, uh, the uh, leader of Turkey, is it he or is his wife, or maybe both of them, who are... Um uh, fun, you know, are they are uh, strong uh, Muslims and, and uh, advocates of uh, of Islam? Mm-hmm. Is that right? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just remember hearing something along those lines. I mean, they're they're uh, you know the relative. Yeah, I, I don't know their their exact how dedicated. I mean, they're certainly not not like Iranian President Ahmadinejad, right. who's you know very in, you know uh, into Islam. But uh, generally. Uh, Turkey's been considered a secular Islamic country, and they're, they're really seeing a shift. I read an article earlier today from uh, written in Israel with people who have connections in Turkey, and they're saying, seeing that Turkey, especially in the government, is taking them in direction that most of the citizens of Turkey don't want to go, and that's towards a relationship with nations that are really have very questionable leadership. I mean, you've got Ahmadinejad in Iran screaming and yelling he wants to wipe Israel off the map. He's in this dead heat to against all the other nations trying to get the nuclear power in, which he says is for peace, and, you know, clearly it's not peace. They, this uh, week they bent our, Russia's arm behind their back and said, you know, you will finish the reactor building in our country by March. So and they'll have a reactor going, and by March they have enough uranium for two nuclear bombs, uh, excuse me, two atomic bombs, which, you know, still a level a city. So there's a, a lot of tension in the Middle East right now, not just from Israel, Iran constantly threatens, but some of the other countries like Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates are seeing a shift of power up into Iran, and they're very concerned about it. Yeah, and now getting back to uh, Turkey, uh, as you're mentioning, they they signed a treaty with uh, Syria, I believe, in October, and they've taken this uh, uh, antagonistic attitude toward Israel. 
uh, condemning it, right? They're condemning Israel the way other Muslim nations are. And so uh, having that, the, that Turkish-Israeli relationship being lost, uh, how is that going to affect Israel? Well, Israel was their major arms supplier. They gave a lot of weapons to Turkey. And now that Turkey has just made a pact with Syria, and, and they also made an accord with Armenia, which is uh, just to the east of them, uh, Israel is saying, hey, we're not going to supply you weapons anymore. So a lot of their, their contracts, uh, I think Israel is kind of a, a little bit of a state of shock. You read some of the articles coming out of Israel, they're a little confused why both Turkey and, and if you even look at the United States, the mm-hmm. United States has turned their back on them. Recent poll in Israel showed that only 4% of the people believe that the United States is their ally anymore. Even this week, a number of the people in the Knesset uh, have been saying the United States not only isn't just a friend anymore, they're openly hostile by forcing us to stop building in Judea and Samaria and eastern Jerusalem. So Israel right now is is looking around and they're seeing less and less friends. Uh, They've got an agreement, of course, with Egypt and Jordan for peace, but Egypt and Jordan are constantly... Uh, funding different terrorist groups as well as moving uh, troops along the borders and stuff like that. So Israel knows they're they're not real friends. And then for the first time, I think in a real long time, Israel is sitting down and saying, we are friendless. What are we going to do? And their backs are being pushed against the wall. And as you know, if you push any creature, any person against the wall, they're going to fight back. And we're looking at that coming very soon. Well, and that's just the concern. I mean, you can imagine yourself, uh, as, uh, as Israel does, there's no friends in the neighborhood. Now, if they're losing another one, uh, no friendly nation anywhere close uh, to its northern border. And so uh, they've got to consider the, uh, you know, they don't want to be annihilated again, as once happened uh, in, uh, almost happened in, in Germany. So that's their, oh, yeah. that's their pedigree. And so you can imagine uh, their position now. Uh, what's troubling, I guess, is our policy, as you're mentioning, uh, toward Israel has been cooled with this administration. They're saying, uh, we don't want you to do any more settlements uh, in the West Bank, uh, and uh, they've become somewhat antagonistic again toward Israel, especially considering our past pro- po- um, policies. And so this does play into Bible prophecy. And uh, Yeah, and I mean, I think we sit over here in the United States and think, ah, oh, that's all happening over the Middle East. But, you know, Iran is threatening to shut down the Straits of Hormuz, which provides us 40% of our oil. Uh, the Prophetically, and, and I'm sure we'll get into this later, this will have a worldwide consequence once it plays out. So uh, there is no part of the world that isn't significantly impacted by what's going to happen in the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's get into that a little bit, because uh, Bible prophecy does talk about this in Ezekiel 38 and 39, I believe, the Gog-Magog mm-hmm. alliance, when we're talking about uh, Persia, uh, which would be Iran. We talk about the kings of the north and the east and these kinds of uh, relationships that are, are, are establishing, uh, are becoming established. You see Russia essentially saying, you know, they were kind of saying, you know, maybe we aren't going to help Iran with these um, uh, nuclear facilities. Now they're saying, you know, we're going to help them. And uh, Russia's got a problem in that they're just like Turkey. They can't go west because NATO and the EU now has got them boxed in. And they can't go east because China is becoming a world power, and they've got them boxed in. So Russia wants to emerge, as they typically do on the scene, but they're being forced south. And, of course, we're seeing that uh, a year or so ago in, when they tried to attack Georgia. And they're making alliances in Turkey. They're moving, uh, they're setting naval bases up along the coasts in the Mediterranean Sea. And so the Russians are being forced south, and by being forced south, they're being forced to make alliances with Iran and uh, other nations like uh, Syria, and they're supplying a major amount of weapons and funding into Iran, nuclear know-how into that area. And uh, it's interesting, because you see in Ezekiel 38 and 39, depending on your translation, it's either 
uh, chief prince or uh, rosh, mm-hmm. as uh, certain translations are, and historically those are the ancient people of Russia. And they're being made uh, into alliances with the people of Meshach, uh, as Ezekiel 38-39 says, Tubal, Gomer, and beth are all people that settled in the Turkey and Armenia area. And we got the groups from uh, the, the Bible calls the Magog areas. Those are all the stands. you got Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan and all those. Persia, which is modern-day Iran. And then you look south, and you've got what the Bible talks about, Kush, which is the modern uh, Sudan and Ethiopia, and what the Bible talks about, Put, which is Libya and possibly Tunisia and Algeria. And all these nations are, are being connected, not only politically, but you look at what they're connected is they're all finally connected. Instead of a bunch of incoherent tribes that had different deities, they're now all united by Islam. Exactly. And by Islam, they're all united with a hatred towards Israel because Israel took land that they believe they conquered for Allah and they want it back. Yes, and that's a very uh, key part of what it means to uh, uh, a Muslim is that once they own a territory, it is theirs forever. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what they believe uh, Israel to be. Let's pause and come back, continuing our discussion about Bible prophecy with Nathan Jones. He's evangelist with, uh, and a web minister for Lion and Lamb Ministries. Links are up at the website, lamblion.com. You'll link to it at the KKMS live page, uh, the Jeff and Lee Show page at kkms.com. Phone lines are open to 651-289-4499 or 888-332-5169. We are here, we are live, we are local in the Twin Cities at AM980 or on the web at kkms.com where you can listen outside the Twin Cities where you have internet connections and the website is full of information on the program. Also where you can get the audio archives, you can email us to kkmslive at kkms.com. Discussing biblical prophecy, joining us, Nathan Jones. He is an evangelist, he's the web minister for Lamb and Lion Ministries, lamblion.com is the website. And again, the Jeff and Lee Show page at kkms.com will give you all the information. Yeah, we've been talking about uh, Russia, uh, Iran, Turkey, and the end times essentially covering uh, Turkey's radical shift, really, away from um, uh, secular uh, government to uh, an Islamist uh, form of government uh, and uh, becoming more uh, of an enemy of Israel and signing a treaty with Syria also engaging in joint military drills with Syria and Iran, and uh, isolating Israel, uh, emboldening their enemies, and, um, you know, again, a larger buildup against Israel. We see what's going on in Iran and Russia. And these names uh, weren't used uh, back in the day when Bible prophecy was uh, written by uh, Ezekiel, what, 2,600 years ago. But uh, we do know the territories uh, he was describing in Ezekiel 38 and 39. So it's fascinating to watch these uh, formations, and we are not uh, date setters in terms of when these uh, might occur in a particular year, but we do kind of, uh, we're kind of weatherman. We're kind of yeah. showing you that there's some... Uh, We've seen a season. We can see the seasons yeah, change. Yeah, and that's kind of what we're doing right now, at least I believe, and so we're, we're examining this. And so you were saying, uh, you were talking, uh, Nathan, about, uh, again, you know, Russia, uh, there's the Gog, Magog. These are names that were used uh, to ball uh, Persia, Kush, uh, these were names that were used by Ezekiel to call, talk about the territories that we're talking about right now, right? 
Correct. Yeah, I mean, 2,600 years ago, it would have been great if he had said, yeah, in the future, it'll be named Iran or <laughs> yeah, it'll yeah, be yeah. named Libya, but he doesn't do that. So luckily, we got some, some folks that are real good, you know, about uh, identifying uh, ancient cultures and uh, what their modern now counterparts are, and we can put a map together and look at that. Now, when you bring up that, uh, and that's an interesting point, because I'm sure we'll get into Ezekiel 38 and 39 more, mm-hmm. but uh, the nations that we talked about, you know, Libya, Sudan, Iran, Turkey, Russia, and the stands and all that, well, you look at that, and you look at Israel, and you look at a map, and all those nations surrounding Israel, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, even farther out, they're missing from the Gog-Magog battle scenario, these, this giant confederation of nations that want to attack Israel. And so it's interesting that we're looking at this prophecy, and we're talking about the Ezekiel 38-39 prophecy, and you wonder, why are all these nations around Israel missing? Why aren't they in that prophecy? And... and Prophecy is uh, the desire to destroy Israel. And so uh, when we're talking about prophetic events, it would appear then that there's another prophetic event that has to happen before we get into Ezekiel 38 and 39 to explain why those nations uh, sit out the battle when uh, the Gog-Magog battle happens. Well, let's talk about that. What would that prophetic event be? Well, right now, uh, one of the the best theories on that is uh, an author by the name of Bill Salas. He came out with a book called Ralestine, and it's based on Psalm 83, and he's looking at Psalm 83, and it lists the nations that are around Israel. And uh, basically, the, the writer of that psalm is asking for, it's called an imprecatory prayer, he's asking God for vengeance against these nations around them. Mm-hmm. And his theory is that because the Gog-Magog alliance, which we're seeing that alliance form today in politics, doesn't count these countries, then there must be some event that happens beforehand. Israel has to deal with Hezbollah and their 10,000 missiles aimed at them. They've got to deal with Gaza, who now has been equipped by Iran with missiles that can reach Tel Aviv. So uh, recently, one of the generals in Israel came out and said, the next battle that Israel has, there will be no area of Israel that won't be affected, because every part of Israel now is within missile range. And, of course, you've got Egypt cutting down in the, uh, the south there, and so they feel torn. Uh, Syria, it's interesting. I was reading recently in, in Damascus, for instance. Damascus has seemed like a go-between for an olive arms dealers as well as nuclear arms dealers, especially from North Korea. And if you read in Isaiah 17, it talks, and again in Jeremiah 49, it talks about the, the swift one-day destruction of Damascus by Israel. Mm-hmm. So we know at some point that Israel is going to feel like it needs to defend itself against all the trading and stuff, the threat that Damascus holds. And that would be, in modern terms, a nuclear weapon, that we will see Damascus, the oldest city in the world right now, totally annihilated. So at some point, Israel will be dealing with Syria and and Jordan and Israel. We know during the tribulation, when the Antichrist comes in, and midpoint of the tribulation and forces the Jews to flee, they flee to Jordan. Now, how do they flee to Jordan unless they have some kind of control over it? So Bill Salas' theory is that Psalm 83, that Israel will subjugate the countries around them before the Gog-Magog battle happens. And what, what was his, his book called? Israelistine? Uh-huh, Israelistine. Yeah, Israelistine. you just go to Israelistine.net. And uh, it's a fascinating book. He's a great guy. I've talked to him. No, I'm talking to him today. He, said, he actually gave me some hints what to do on a radio interview. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have dead air, just say, that's an interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good advice. But, yeah. uh, his theory, is, I think, is very sound. A lot of uh, Bible prophecy students are really mulling over it and chewing on it. And I think he presents a good case that Israel, in the very, very near future, has got to deal with the, the border problem that they have. And, and, of course, a threat again of a third intifada that might happen, an uprising of Arabs even with their own country. And, and that's what's fascinating about all this, uh, Nathan, is that uh, these are things that are 
spoken of in the Bible, the thing that's fascinating is we might actually be witnessing these events. And it seems as if you could build a pretty strong case that, in fact, we are witnessing these things. Mm -hmm. Have there ever been times in history where something like, no, it can't be that long back when you think about it, because really Israel came back into being in 48, but Mm -hmm. has there been a time like this before? Well, to answer your first question, the Bible talks about when we see the... It, you, Jesus used a fig tree analogy. When the fig tree reblossoms, the fig tree always means Israel. When the fig tree becomes a nation once more, that generation that sees that happen will witness all these things take place. And we saw Israel come back to a nation in 1948, and so we're looking at the fact that we are that terminal generation, the last group of people for the church age. And so we're witnessing all these alliances take place. Now, you look back at uh, 2,600 years ago, all the way to when Ezekiel gave this prophecy of in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and that you're right, there is no historical fulfillment whatsoever of Russia or the Rus people, which was the Scythians. Uh, we've got uh, Libyans. We've got all these different tribes and groups united under one banner against Israel. And so that isn't there. There's, there's no historical fulfillment whatsoever. Plus, for this to happen, Israel would have to be a nation. And up until 1948, there was no nation of Israel. There was basically a few herdsmen and tribesmen living in the land that was pretty much desolated. And so there was no reason for anyone to want the land of Israel. But today, they very much want it. Israel especially has found this huge natural gas deposit off the coast of Haifa, which makes them exceedingly wealthy. And when you look at Ezekiel 38 and 39, it says that they're... the Gog Magog allowance wants to come down. They want to plunder Israel for their great wealth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been to Israel twice, and they've sure reclamated the land. Uh, you can pull oranges off the trees in March, and they've got a, a tremendous bounty. But now they have a real bounty, and that is a competition to their oil and gas pipeline. I, I know Russia lately has been trying to really dominate being the, the gas producers of the world, but now it looks like they'll have some real competition with Israel. So there's a, a definite financial reason why that alliance wants to come and destroy Israel. Yeah, it's fascinating about, uh, as you're talking about that, Psalm 83 prophecy. I hadn't uh, heard that before, so that's kind of a new wrinkle in things that uh, hadn't hadn't been brought to my attention anyway. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Let's pause and come back and continue our discussion. Yeah, phone lines are open, 651-289-4499 or 888-332-5169. Nathan Jones, our guest. Uh, you can go to the website lamblion.com for more info. It's linked up at our page, the Jeff and Lee Show page at kkms.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You guys, you know, you have the best talk show in the whole Twin City area. More KKMS Live with Jeff and Lee next. 651-289-4499 is the number, 888-332-5169. If you're listening on the internet at kkms.com, this is KKMS Live. And you email us by uh, typing in Live at kkms.com. I'm Lee Michaels. And I'm Jeff Shen. We're discussing Bible prophecy and wondering if, in fact, the events that we're witnessing right now in the Middle East uh, portend... Uh, End times related events, specifically the prophecies of Ezekiel and uh, Gog and Magog, and uh, you know, leading up to eventually uh, Armageddon and, and these kinds of things. And this is one of the aspects of the countries that become, uh, um, you know, arrayed against, if that's the right word, aligned. against aligned against arrayed. or whatever uh, uh, Israel. 
And it's, it's fascinating to, to see, in fact, the countries that were mentioned or the territories uh, of ancient times are now, in fact, becoming uh, developing an alliance uh, really out of a common uh, interest or a common ideology, and that's uh, Islam. And, and, that's, and that's a big concern uh, with a lot of people because, again, the vast majority of Muslims don't uh, subscribe to this, but enough of them do to uh, create a, a major concern. And so um, that's what we're watching. And so, Nathan, uh, your thoughts on that in terms of uh, what we would see next? I mean, you're saying that p- perhaps that Psalm 83, which is kind of a new thing for me, uh, Psalm 83 might indicate that Israel will subjugate the, some of the territory around it because the, those the territory, those regions, aren't mentioned uh, in Ezekiel. That's kind of an interesting take. Yeah, I mean, something uh, had to occur before the Gog-Magog battle, because Israel, the nations that are the most hostile towards them now, are just not players at all. Mm-hmm. And we know in Ezekiel 38 and 39, it talks about Dedan and uh, Saudi Arabia, basically modern-day Saudi Arabia, and Tarshish and the islands, which are, of course, uh, Tarshish was considered anything past the Rock of Gibraltar, so possibly the United Kingdom, uh, Young Lions, the Bible says, that could possibly be the United States and Canada and Australia, basically sit it out as well. So the whole world sits back and watches this great coalition come down to attack Israel. Now, it's interesting. Uh, of course, they're uh, coming down because they're greedy. You know, they want Israel's money and stuff like that. But when you look at the Bible verse, uh, go to um, verse 4 of Ezekiel 38. God says, and this is God getting like right up in the faces of their leader, this guy who's called Gog, who's mm-hmm. going to lead this coalition. He says, I'll turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and bring you out, you and your whole army. In other words, it's God behind this great coalition. So as we see these storm clouds starting to brew over in the Middle East, and Israel is looking kind of helpless and hopeless, even though they have the world's uh, fourth largest army, it's God who's behind us all, and it's God who's going to cause this to happen for his own purposes. Yeah, and that's uh, and, and what's is fascinating and, and most recent is the uh, Turkey. Um, those might just uh, be joining us. Uh, Turkey has moved away from the West and moved uh, toward becoming uh, Islamic nation uh, and uh, becoming uh, an enemy uh, of Israel. Uh, and so we've got all of these uh, forces being aligned against uh, Israel and the United States. You know, and I'm concerned about uh, the United States changing its policy because uh, it seems as if, and, and it's been true, those nations that have turned their back on Israel have uh, just come to ruin when you think of uh, the United uh, Kingdom and what they mm-hmm. once were, and they turned their back on uh, Israel and what they are now and other uh, nations as well. Uh, it just doesn't portend good things for our country. No, certainly. I mean, Israel is considered the apple of God's eye, and I know spiritually the church is considered the spiritual Israel, but Israel's back in the land, and God hasn't finished his purposes with them. And any nation that tries to divide the land of Israel will see prophetic uh, disasters happen to them. Uh, uh, Koenig wrote an interesting book, I, I believe it's Eye of the Storm, which parallels every time a president got in Israel's face and tried to make them divide the land, some natural disaster would happen in the United States, mm-hmm. especially uh, like Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing God say, hey, wake up, you're messing with something that you shouldn't be. You're trying to basically stop God from doing what he planned to do. <laughs> right. And that's a dangerous, dangerous position. I mean, today, I just read about the EU wants to just go ahead and, and declare Palestine its own state and give East Jerusalem to them, without even asking the Israelis. I mean, that is just, that's yeah. like suicide. Now, we know God has plans for the EU when it comes to the, the tribulation coming up. But, uh, yes, I think any nation that 
that sees themselves set against Israel will be dashed to pieces. And we're seeing the influence of the United States wane tremendously since uh, the first President Bush decided, you know, that we would have a new policy that we weren't going to push land for peace, Mm -hmm. which has been a tragic, tragic political thing. It just has not helped at all. And we see whenever you give somebody something uh, who's hostile towards you, they just want more. Well, it's not about land, and that's what people don't seem to understand. Whenever we deal with the Middle East, we don't understand the—our politicians don't understand the mindset. It's like trying to negotiate with Iran the way we are right now regarding this nuclear power. It's uh, They are uh, Islamists. These are, these are people who uh, have a belief, and you're not going to be able to negotiate with them. It'd be like trying to negotiate with you and I about our faith in Jesus Christ. We, we, there are certain non-negotiables, and these are some of those non-negotiables for them. We were talking about the land. Yeah, uh, I mean, Ahmadinejad, who's the president of Iran— isn't just a political president. He's a guy who wants to bring in the 12th Imam. He believes in this, this messianic Mahdi that will come and who will lead Islam into a total takeover of the world. And so he sees himself not just president of Iran, but the right-hand man to the future messianic Islamic Mahdi who will conquer the world for Islam. So we're not talking about rational people. I think uh, you bring up a good point in that the West, and particularly the United States increasingly, have a secular humanist mindset, the idea that mankind is all good, and we can just, you know, if we sit down and talk through things, we'll sing Kumbaya, and everybody come out with a, you know, a great peaceful idea. Mm-hmm. But you, you can't reason with people who are, have this passionate desire to take over the world. Right, and that's just it. And you were talking about the how many uh, Muslims, uh, the population of Muslims increasing, especially over in Europe, and uh, and that is part of the you know the way uh, they can go about doing this. And again, uh, we're not trying to create uh, anti-Muslim sentiment no, here no. because the vast majority of Muslims are peaceful, loving people. They don't pay attention to this kind of stuff in this way. But we're talking about that. Who knows? Anywhere between one and five percent, maybe ten percent. I don't know who uh, have these beliefs. And when you're considering 1.5 billion of them, and what it only took for a few of them to do what they did with this country, it's uh, it's a major concern. Oh yeah, I mean, Ahmadinejad is. Uh, uh, you got the Sunnis and the Shiites and the Shiites are only 15 percent of the Islamic world. So there's about 15 percent who believe there's a Mahdi. There's Sunnis who believe there'll be a Mahdi. But overall, it's it's 15 percent of the Muslim world. Is just passionate about bringing this Islamic messianic messiah in here. So you're right. It, it's not, and we're talking about players here. We're not pointing fingers to different races or religions or ethnicities, mm-hmm. but they're just the players in the end time battle. And I think that it's an important thing for, especially Muslims who, who get the chance to read Ezekiel 38 and 39, because the end result of this great battle is supernatural. Israel will be so at dismayed when this happens because they're thinking they're living in security and safety, probably because they've subjugated the, the countries around them, that when they come, they will just be in shock that this will happen. And God will supernaturally intervene, and it's fascinating to read. This is, we're talking about, you know, destruction of biblical proportion. We're talking about... <laughs> the real the, Bible. <laughs> yeah. Fire and brimstones falling from the earth, cats and yeah, dogs living all that, together. all that kind of stuff, as well as the armies turn on each other and destroy each other. And two things come out of it. Well, I should say three things. One, that those nations and their religion will be pretty much destroyed. Now, we know there's lots of Muslims in Indonesia and India, yep. but basically it's such a defeat in battle. Islam, as a major world player, will be wiped out just before the tribulation. 
second, Israel will leave their secular humanism and finally say, there is a God and he protects us. And they will come back to God. Even though they won't yet accept Jesus as a Savior, they will come back to Yahweh. And third is that, let's see, we got Islam destroyed, people coming back to God. And the world will know that God sits on high. I don't think there will be an atheist left after the Gog-Magog battle. And God accomplishes all that through that destruction. You know, the uh, the thing that uh, fascinates me about Israel, because I, I sometimes have people say to me, well, you know, this isn't uh, Israel that they're talking about. It's Israel's a secular nation. It's not really, uh, you know, part of biblical prophecy. Uh, wh- what fascinates me is if you looked at previous conflicts, previous wars, the supernatural events that had taken place for Israel to conquer their enemies, the day that they were, uh, they became a nation, or the next day, if I'm not mistaken, they were attacked by their enemies, and completely outnumbered yet how did they how did they win all these battles and so to me that is is it tells me that god is yeah. uh, is a part of what uh, is going on in israel oh, yeah. you know i went to the uh, temple institute they're trying to rebuild the next temple i mean they've got all the clothes and the items already for the temple they just need permission to start building on the temple mount and the uh, young tour guide there she was telling us that she knows that god's with them because when they did operation cast lead last year into gaza it was something like 300 to 1 of their soldiers would be killed in that battle. I mean, it was just tremendous odds, and it was so miraculous. And the Jews are, are the, have their eyes covered with secular humanism, pretty much so in Israel. Uh, there's a group of them that see that God is with them, but when the gog Magog battle happens, they will know that God defends them. Yeah, absolutely. Nathan uh, Jones is our guest, and uh, we've got one more segment with him. He is with Lamb and Lion Ministries. LambLion.com is a website, a lot of useful resources and information there. You'll find it linked to at the Jeff and Lee Show page at KKMS.com. 651-289-4499-888-332-5169. This is KKMS Live. KMS Live with Jeff and Lee. Thanks the Lord for you guys. Keep up the good work. God bless you guys. I love you. Weekdays 3 to 6. The Eastern world, it is exploding. Violence flaring, bullets loading. We interviewed this guy, Barry McGuire. I love that guy's voice. KMS Live with Jeff and Lee. We're talking about Bible prophecy right now. Joining us is Nathan Jones. He's evangelist. Uh, he's an evangelist, and he's the web minister at Lamb and Lion Ministries. You can find him at lamblion.com. And uh, Nathan, your article uh, on your website, "Going Cold Turkey," was uh, provided good insight for the topic we're discussing right now, and that's the shift that Turkey has taken uh, away from the West and toward uh, Islam, uh, becoming Islamists and uh, another enemy. Uh, against Israel in the region. And so we're wondering if uh, the prophecies in Ezekiel are coming true, and it sure, sure, sure looks like this, and this is important to us, because if, in fact, uh, this is happening, our days are drawing short, it's important, it's imperative, it should compel us to uh, witness to our neighbors and friends who don't know Jesus Christ. And also, perhaps this is uh, evidence that you can can be used. Uh, that's one of the things that I like about Bible prophecy, Nathan, is that uh, it reveals that God's Word is, in fact, God's Word. It's not something that was invented by man, because how could a man 
uh, know of these things uh, 2,600 years ago. Oh, yes. Uh, that's what Bible prophecy is. It's funny, a lot of, it's, so many people are interested in the end of the world today. I mean, you've got movie makers making 2012, and you've got you know, people worried about end-time scenario, but the Church overall is generally kind of quiet about it and mm-hmm. asleep in the pews. And yet Bible prophecy proves that there is a God, you know? It, it gives a foundation to, to... We have something that we can place our trust and faith into, and uh, assurance that God has a bigger plan than just our little lives, and we get to be part of that, and that's really exciting. And while we're here... That entices us to want to live holier lives and to really get out there and spread the gospel in the remaining time that we have left. Yeah, I mean, I think Bible prophecy is, is, can be an evangelism tool. Uh, people have that natural uh, curiosity about oh, yeah. these kinds of things, you know, because if you see the uh, the amount of in- interest, as you were mentioning, 2012, the Mayan calendar thing, you see uh, Nostradamus and how many people are wound up in, you know, those prophecies with very little uh, validation uh, to what they say. You could, you know, it's like opening up... Well, the doomsday scenario movies, you know, you just mentioned 2012, but remember Armageddon and however the world might come to an end, there's... Uh, you know, th- those movies, people had, definitely have an interest. And that's why we have to understand these things, so that we can, mm-hmm. again, it's, a, it's another way of, of reaching people with God's Word, and if these things come true, then uh, the other things that are mentioned in there are worth, uh, you know, investing your life in. So uh, that's one yeah. of the reasons I, that we like to discuss uh, Bible prophecy. Well, it's exciting that you all have a radio program that focuses on Bible prophecy, the Bible Prophecy Hour. You all could mm-hmm. be very commended. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, what haven't we talked about yet? Uh, because sometimes there might be some things that you want to bring up and I haven't asked you about. Uh, is there some things that we haven't yet discussed that you'd like to bring up? Yeah, you know, we're talking about Ezekiel 38 39, and we're seeing the political events come together. Mm-hmm. But I think a, a question that most people have is, when is this going to happen? Mm-hmm. And how is this related to the Church? Well, it's interesting is that God doesn't just leave us hanging. He gives us some general timing clues within the text to tell us when this is going to happen. For one, we can look at the arrangement and see there's no historical fulfillment, so we must know its future. In uh, verse uh, 38.8 and then 38.16, that uh, uses latter day years and last days, which are uh, biblical indicators to tell us that this has to do with the time of Jacob's trouble, that seven-year tribulation where God like the flood is going to pour out his wrath onto the earth, as well as try to bring the Jews, at least a remnant, back to believing in Yeshua as, as Messiah. And so we know that this, again, will happen in relation to the tribulation. We know there has to be an Israel, and the Jews are, have to be back in the nation, and that happened in 1948. There has to be something to unite that coalition, and we know that is Islam. And we know that Israel needs to be a peaceful and unsuspecting state, which is the only of the five that I just listed, it isn't. So we know that something has to happen, again, possibly Psalm 83, that causes that. But um, for people who are curious and, and want to know, I've put a list of things that I think the future is going to hold. I think before all this happens, that we're going to see, uh, you know, again, I'm not a date setter, and I won't say de- dates, and I don't know when this is going to happen, mm-hmm. but uh, I think generally the Bible lets us that the time of Jacob's trouble has nothing to do with the Church. So more than likely, the rapture of the Church, where God comes and He takes all those who have accepted Him as Savior up to heaven, will happen before any of this happens. Now it's possible, maybe a Psalm 83 scenario could happen before that, could happen after. But I don't believe the Gog-Magog battle will happen, because the Gog-Magog battle results in one fire falling on all the nations that attack Him, an earthquake that's felt around the globe, and a worldwide recognition of God, which is very much tribulation-related. So I think the Gog-Magog battle will happen either just before or in that seven-year tribulation. 
Now, some folks uh, get this mistake in the Gog-Magog battle with Armageddon. That's the great big battle at the end. The two are so different in description that it's not the battle of Armageddon. So we have the rapture of the church. Israel subjugates their neighbors. The Gog-Magog battle, the tribulation, and it ends in Armageddon. Then Jesus comes back in the second coming, and that has a judgment and enter into the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth. So that's kind of how the timing, I think. And I think we're getting very close to that timing starting. Are there anything, you know, anything that would kind of tip the hand that uh, would indicate more of a, a, you know, is there is there an event or something that you're kind of watching with interest that would kind of say, uh, wow, uh, that, uh, based on the timing of these things, we've got about a minute, uh, you know, would say, you know, that's, uh, it's it's time to, to strap on the boots because uh, we've got to get going here. If we witness Israel destroy Damascus in a day, if we see them conquer their surrounding nations, I'd say that we are very, very close to the rapture of the church. Well, fascinating, because they went up there and mm-hmm. dropped a few bombs uh, a couple of summers ago, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, there's some, uh, that was kind of kind of kept on the lowdown, but there's some uh, some interesting things going on regarding that, so we'll have to, we'll have to watch that. Amen. Absolutely. Nathan, thank you so much uh, for what you're doing and your ministry there. God bless you. Oh, it's been a blessing. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you again. It's uh, Nathan Jones, Evangelist. He's the web minister for Lamb and Lion Ministries. Uh, you can go to lamblion.com. Links are up at the website at kkms.com. Go to the Jeff and Lee Show page for more information. The audio will be posted up there by the end of the program uh, this evening as well. This is KKMS Live.